and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. This feels strange because with the three of us haven't been together for about two weeks. I'm Nigel Chu and I'm with two people whose initials in their names have the same difference in like the number of letters. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. So like, so, like you've got a difference of three and Adam's got a difference of three. That's weird. Yeah, you've got a difference of more than three. Yeah. Am I on only connect? Oh, that's good. But he's in the game yeah. show movie, and it tells. Um, I don't know. I've, I've never anyway, thought about that before, I'll, and I will never think about that again. <laughs> I, I will. Both, how are you both doing? I don't know, <laughs> mate. I really don't know. I'm worried about you. Um, been I'm used. I'm generally I I'm I'm in a place right now and it's not where I was two minutes ago before we started recording this podcast. I'm just right. worried. I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna ask any further questions there. Adam, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's going good. It's going good. It's nice and warm outside, so I've had to shut the blinds so you can actually see rather than just being whited out because the sun is in my room, as happens in America. But yeah, it's good. I'm living life. Looking forward to a podcast with the three of us discussing turkeys. And yeah, can't wait. Peas and blankets. Yes. Yes. Mm. Best part of any Christmas dinner. Yes. Apart from maybe the stuffing, the stuffing's good as well. Christmas dinner depends on the, stuff, on the stuffing. Stuffing can sometimes be awful because you can big up the stuffing too much, I think. Nah, it, I think I think it's like a new... It's, a, it's its own tier where you can never overpick it. It just always right. delivers. I'm, I, I, I'm quite proud of the way I make sprouts as well sometimes. But anyway. See, that, that's on its own level of no matter how much you underestimate it, then it still under delivers. Not your cooking, just generally. Sprouts. I mean, if you just add a lot of garlic to the sprouts, then they're great. <laughs> just have garlic instead of sprouts, then they're great. And my Christmas dinner is garlic. I eat a garlic. All right. Well, someone who might someone who might eat garlic is Lewis Hamilton. Uh, me and Freddie didn't. <laughs> me and Freddie didn't. How many be... syllables does Lewis Hamilton have in his name? Syllables. What? I don't initials. know. Syllables. I don't know. The same number of initials as as initials. Everyone. Oh, don't he's know. got three. He's got three letters between his. Oh yeah, he has. There we go. <laughs> Not just a pretty face. Weird. He's also. <laughs> Got initials. Yeah, he's also oh, got 100 wins, uh, which yeah, means yeah. Freddie probably didn't speak enough about last time. So sorry for anyone who listened and watched that. Really? Uh, and he's a fan. Yeah, I know. Surprise me. Well, surprise if you to this, really. Uh, 100 wins. It is an unbelievable number. I don't think anyone thought it would happen after Schumacher got to 91. Adam, your thoughts on it? You're obviously the biggest Hamilton fan out of Austria, well, but it might be me soon, but we'll enough about that. Uh, Adam, how, how do you feel about it? <laughs> yeah, Nigel's slowly coming to that point. Maybe he'll overtake me by the end of the season, depends who wins the championship, I think. Um, but, yeah, I think it's quite weird. It's quite like an arbitrary number. It's just like, oh, you got 100. It's like cricket, you have like a little, it's like 100, like significant because it sticks out one more than everyone else's. Um, mm like batting totals and you don't have that in F1 because that's not how F1 works but having said that I think it 
it's a nice statistic and it's a great achievement. I don't, I don't know. I don't know kind of how, whether this feels more significant than beating Schumacher's or not. I'm not really sure about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, I think it, it, you know, again, it's just kind of goes to show he is, uh, you know, my opinion, the greatest, but you know, he's, he's kind of the perfect driver for this era. He has just been, you know, the perfect driver for Mercedes and the way he's just been so consistent throughout his time. And, you know, he was super fast at McLaren and racked up wins there as well, especially in his first season, first and second seasons. You know, it's the way just he got into that car and started winning, you know, or started getting podiums and started winning nearly immediately is just, you know, unprecedented apart from the first season of F1 because someone had to but apart from that um yeah i just yeah it, it's a it's a massive number and who knows when it will be beaten or if it will be beaten or who by but yeah it's it's a huge achievement for him but again I, I don't know where i kind of rank it it's it's kind of a nice statistic more than anything yeah. else i think it's not the most wins or you know the highest win rate or whatever it is a statistic Oh yeah, I, I I know what Adam's saying about yeah, a hundred is just a number. At the end of the day, every win individually is such a feat that I think to have done however any win, any a multiple number of wins is phenomenal. I think yeah, Schumacher's beating being number one on the all time list is definitely, I think, a much greater achievement. And it's just about extending the number one, beating his own record essentially every rate every time he gets a win is. Is, is brilliant in its own right. But yeah, <clears throat> Adam touched on it. The it, it speaks to the longevity of his success. Four wins in his first year, uh, five wins in his second year. Um, by the time he'd done three seasons of F1, he'd, he had got, um, what, 10 or 11 wins under his belt. So it was, it was something marvellous there that he was able to do that. He's won in every season he's competed in. He's won um, seven championships. So I think, yeah, it's just another reason for us just to point at Lewis, Sir Lewis Hamilton and say, yeah, fantastic. And I, I'm all for that, to be honest. How far could he go? How many wins could he get, do you think? Or was it impossible to say? Because the, the oh, It's impossible to say. It's impossible to say. I remember when he, um, when he broke he seven pole. When, when, he, <laughs> when he did the... Oh, he could get another one. Um, when he broke uh, Senna, he equaled Senna for a number of poles. And... At Canada and in 2017, and it was a monster lap. Him and Vettel both suddenly found a second on the rest of the field at the end of that session. And then he went even further and he was presented with a center helmet. And that was when I started to think, goodness me, he's gonna actually topple it all. Because like you could still kind of think, is he gonna be he's gonna be sort of level with, with maybe Prost, maybe, maybe Vettel will overtake him, that kind of thing. There was still all of that kind of opportunity there, but then he just with the 2017 regs and the new the challenge from Vettel and then the challenge from Verstappen now, it's just risen him in the way he's achieving these kind of things. I think it's excellent. I, yeah. I guess it's maybe a way of just clearing him from any of the driver that's ever raced Formula One because he's the only person on three figures. I guess maybe that's the significance that we can take from it. I, probably more significant for. Him is the fact that it's only a second win since Spain. So, yes. you know, in terms of championship, I think that's probably more significant. But for all of us, but 
you know, I think that's maybe where I'd look. In terms of where he can get, what, there's seven races left, so he could get 107. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's you know, without knowing what happens next year, if he's in elite, you know, a um, strong car next year, then he could get, you know, 110, 115, maybe 120. But I think if he gets it, to 110, time, I think if he gets to 110 by the time he retires, that would be a, a miracle for him and Mercedes, to be honest. If he can get to 121, is it? Then he can get 100 wins with Mercedes. Wow. So, and, that's, and that's arguably coming across now as a reasonable prediction. Which four years ago, five years ago, if people someone would say Hamilton's going to be all the all time record holder, there would still be that little kind of thing in the back of your mind of no, that's uh, Schumacher's too far away, way too far away, and yeah, but now it, it, it's reasonable to expect not expect to to hold the opinion that you the, the prediction that Hamilton will Lewis will get to that kind of ridiculous monstrosity of a figure. Yeah. And I think, I, I think it, you know, that that is worth saying that when Schumacher set these records, and when you were looking at it even three years ago, five years ago, then it they just look so big, you know, they just look so unreachable. Even knowing how well Mercedes have gone in the past few years, it's still, you know, it just takes one season where they fall off or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, it's still. It kind of felt like everything on the ta- is on the table with the asterisk of Schumacher's records are just so massive. And to get the seven championships and the 91 wins and now 100 wins, is it, it's kind of bonkers that he has actually got there when you think about if he'd started his, at the start of his career in 2007, if he'd said that, it, it just would have been astronomical. Yeah, and, you know, maybe 15 years from now, there'll be, you know, Verstappen or another driver will be, you know, bearing down on that and will be saying the same thing about them. But, you know, it just feels so absolutely massive. You know, 100, 100 wins is just, you know, if, if you just think about how much time that takes in terms of, you know, at the factory and on race day, how many things have to go right, so many races in a row to get 100 wins. It's just, you know, it's really massive. It's a massive amount of time to think about if you want to think about it in that way it's a lot of distance driven it's just everything you know yeah in, in terms of like absolute numbers it's huge but he's that's third, too big for anybody he's third on win percentage if you take away indy 500 people and <laughs> which is fair enough he's behind i think fangio and ascari and that's it and to be sort of level with those figures to be sort of to be ahead of like clark and people like that in that kind of figure is is you know mega. in this era yeah exactly in this era of um race every day not race every two months so that's <laughs> championship contending and stuff like that whatever all the mad rules of the 60s and 50s but um yeah well just i, I think we, we we go on we you go on little tangents on this podcast every now and again i'm just going wow isn't lewis hamilton great at great at f1 yeah. he's just great and we're having another one here but it's thoroughly deserved. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it. I remember after Portugal and Turkey last year, yeah. that, that in our season reviews as well, we've 
Ellie and Ed. Uh, then we've got favorite favorite win. I'm guessing we all or two or three of us might go for the same one. Is it Silverstone 2008? <laughs> I think that's mine. Or all his best wins, or they're not favorite but best. Canada 2019. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the favorite, so, maybe. Silverstone 2021. <laughs> Hey. I, I do think that was a good drive, but anyway. Um, yeah, so do I. Oh, all right. So, Adam, you go. Um, Nigel, you go. Nigel, I said go. Sort of <laughs> okay. Okay. Explain. Give us, give, us, give, us a, give us some reasoning for Silverstone two thousand eight. While Adam and I think. Oh well, it just. I mean, the other. Pretty poor qualifier because he was favourite for that, and then he launched off the start. He went down, he started fourth, and he was nearly in the lead, and then he took the lead after a few laps. And then he was just utterly, utterly dominant in torrential conditions while half the field was spinning off, including his title rivals, uh, <coughs> Master and Raikkonen. And he won by over a minute, into he? I think it was 69 or 71 seconds, something like that. He was just you know, one of those outstanding wet drives, as, as we've seen with Schumacher in Spain 1996 or uh, Senna uh, with some wet wet drives, and, you know, Don into 93. You know, Silverstone 2008 is right up there with one of the best wet weather drives ever for me. Yeah. So I think that has to be number one. And it was only his second season as well. He'd only been driving for, what, 15, 16 months. So I think that's very, very impressive too. So... I think it's that. It's either that or Turkey last year for me. I mean, you know, I was just kind of pulling up. I mean, there's a whole Wikipedia article just listing his wins, which I don't think most of the drivers have. But... The RacingNews365.com article with his top 10 wins. Someone wrote it. Yeah, they missed out the Italian Grand Prix in 2018 for some reason. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> with Silverstone 2021 on that list, by any chance. <laughs> no chance. That was, that was win number 100 on the top 10. <laughs> Just, just like, <laughs> just, um, just like scrolling through it, and there's so many, you know, like things that I think, oh yeah, like that was a good, you know, like I mean, Turkey last season was phenomenal, yeah. you know, and that was that felt like really the perfect race for him to clinch the title and the, you know, equal Schumacher and all of that, you know, the his first two wins that he got back to back as a rookie it's you know just mind-blowing to think about that monaco before the the win before his um silverstone 2008 win at monaco was fantastic as well he had a puncture and then came back through the field uh, you know it's a different era but still at monaco in the wet um was phenomenal and it's just so you know scrolling through there's so many but having said a lot all of that i think you've yeah i've got to agree that um Britain 2008 is the one, really. It's just, yeah, you know, for all, all the reasons you said, the fact that he lapped pretty much the whole field, um, you know, went near enough every other driver was spinning and not able to control the conditions. And that's just where he showed kind of that he was head and shoulders above everyone else on that day. So, yeah, I'll agree. I'm going to give a few honourable mentions before I give mine. Um, but, yeah. Um, as Adam said, his first two race wins, I think, yeah, overcoming what, four or five safety cars in Canada to take his first win. I mean, yeah. that, that race threw a lot at him and he just nailed it. Um, obviously, there were fewer strategy variations with fuel and stuff back then that that he could be thrown at him, but it was 
a masterful drive. And then the difficult second album, Indie, the week later, that was brilliant. I just that drive, I think the fact that he was able to come back out and yeah, he was on a momentum ride. But I do think that um, he had the world champion Alonso behind him all race. And it's easy to say you can get one off your back, but the, the second one's always harder, I think. So he did that in brilliant fashion. Um, and again, that year, Fuji, when it was yeah. soaking. So I think that's up there. Fuji 2007, when it was an absolute washout and he was head and shoulders above the rest. Um, I'm also going to really say... Set him to win the championship. You know, yeah, he, exactly. He kind of, really, he should have won from that point. But that was kind of, you know, if, if he had won, that's probably... It was a championship drive, you're right. Yeah, and we'd all look back and say, that's where he did it. Sorry. The reason that's I won't have that one over Silverstone is because Alonso was in the lead, was he? And then he crashed. Like, Houghton wasn't as dominant, I don't, if I remember right. Okay, that's fair That's the only reason. Yeah. Um. He kept it on the island is the thing you'd say to that. But yeah, yeah the exactly. way he kept it on the island in Silverstone was above that. I agree. In fairness, um, I don't think Alonso like crashed off Japan. I think he was still on. Most of them kept it on the island. It was just, you know. Ha. Ha. Wow. Hilarious. Um, Bahrain 2014. Yes. Um, the Jewel yeah. in the Desert. Best race that track's ever seen. One of the best races Formula One's ever seen, I think, between two teammates. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, uh, <laughs> worse tires that older tires that were the slower compound, mm. keeping behind, uh, never better in form Nico Rosberg at that time. Um, but they they both knew every every trick of each other, and I mean, yeah, it comes as a partnership that that drive, but the fact that he was able to keep Rosberg behind means I'm sort of leveling bar in 20. 14 with Turkey 2020 and Silverstone in 2008, I think. It's sort of a top three. I know it's a cop-out, but I, oh, think, no, three, fine. I think they're three fine. mega jobs. Yep. Well, there we go. So, uh, so 2008 seems like it's the, it's the winner there. Oh, uh, 68 seconds ball. ahead. Just yeah. go home, everyone else. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Uh Will he win this year's title? We'll have to see. If he does, the Qatar Grand Prix could be an event uh, where it could get interesting. Uh, it'll be the first Qatar Grand Prix on the F1 calendar. Oh, well, yeah, F1 has yes. ever seen because it's replacing yeah. Australia. I know there's never been a Qatar. What am I on about? Uh, it's going to be at the La Salle. La Salle? La Salle? Maceo International Circuit. Uh, Melton GP have raced there before. F1 obviously hasn't. Uh, mixed reaction to this one, I think. Because really? always good to see a new track, but... Uh, Negative, human I think. Rights record, human rights record isn't great, is it? So what are your opinions on this? <laughs> I don't think it's been a mixed opinion. I think it's been overwhelmingly negative. Um, yeah. Not just because of the um, the of what Qatar stands for, which is, you know, not good things, not sort of, you know, human rights and things, you know, well, the basics. Um, but also because it is a bike track, guys. It's not for cars. It really isn't for cars. There's one long straight. And then there's lots of sweeping corners and a few tight bits, but that's designed for bikes to be able to flow into each other nicely. And it's great it's for a bike. Exact. 
it's not at all a track for a Formula One car. Not at all. Not for a yeah. not for a Formula Four car. Could you race there? They did GP2 Asia there back in the day when that was a thing, and there was no overtaking in GP2. And <laughs> GP2 without an overtake is like a test session. Otherwise, it's not a thing. So, they, hell, hell, they even overtaking the tests. So, this is just, I don't know, it's just not going to be good. I mean, we've got to hope that Pirelli bring the softest tyres, really, to give us some tyre offset. That was the only way well, they were. They won't, they, <laughs> they won't know, because they're conservative, conservative as anything else, particularly when we had so many Pirelli controversies and, and unknowns and things. Every year since we've had Pirelli in the in the um in the sport since 2011 so they're not going to go you know gung-ho and give us c5 four and three they're going to go the complete opposite direction of that um which is a shame because there's potential for throwing in a few rigorous stuff to it it can rain there there can be ridiculous sandstorms there but it's odd if that happens so yeah what we're going to get really is a nice, you know, bit of cash for, for F1. A nice bit of cash for F1. Adam? We're not going to get this. Well, yeah. We should get given a tenner. Sponsor us. I'd love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Adam. Um, I mean, it. it's just, you know, it's like the whole... We race of one thing is just completely dead in the water. It's it's completely laughing in the face of all the publicity stunts they've tried to pull over the last 18 months or so. I mean, if you know Qatar, there's LGBTQ human rights violations. Um, they are very low on women's rights. There's 6,500 workers have migrant workers have died since the World Cup was awarded. It's you know, they have pretty barbaric punishments as well. It's just not a country that F1 should be racing at unless its aim is just to make the most money it can, in which case, you know, it's, why is it trying to hide that? It, you know, I agree with what you both said about the track, but, you know, fundamentally, it's just not a race that should be happening. The last three races of the season are Qatar, Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi. So if we're looking at on track, then we should really hope that the Abu Dhabi changes work because, if not, it's going to be a very dull season finale. Yeah, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. Yeah, I think you've done pretty much what I wanted to say. Uh, I mean, I can understand why F1 is doing it because they have lost millions of pounds due to the pandemic and stuff, but it just doesn't look very good, does it, really? You know, is, is that worth justifying? Probably not, you know, just go to Bahrain Outer if you if you want uh, another race or something. Uh, another race to, uh, you know, human rights, dodgy yeah. country, then just go to Bahrain after. <laughs> so it's they got a 10 year deal as well from 2023. It won't be a race next year because of the World Cup. So it looks like Qatar is going to stay, uh, whether we like it or not. So, but the caveat yeah. to that is whether LaSalle International Circuit stays or not. We don't know. Um, but yeah. the, the plan with that. Is to move to a street track, probably in Doha, probably bang in the middle of Doha. Oh, right. Another Doha. street track. Doha is, like, there's no escaping it. It is a global hub in the way that Singapore is and stuff like that. And 
the opportunities for a Grand Prix like that are, to be fair, slightly huge because they could have sort of a Grand Prix with which has the potential for basically every major transport hub to be able to fly straight to it and then 15 minutes away is a Grand Prix track. And from a business perspective, that's a good idea. And it's a shame that the good idea is in Doha, um, which we've already said. Um, yeah. But there is an opportunity for some potential decent racing in Qatar in the future, but this isn't until probably about 2024 at the earliest, I'd say, maybe 2023 if we're lucky. But, I mean, it's slim pickings comparatively to everything else because it doesn't wipe away anything that Adam has said so eloquently about the human rights mm -hmm. issues there and things that we just shouldn't be accepting, to be honest. But Yeah. Yeah, we spoke about it as well about 12 months ago when Saudi Arabia was announced and Precisely. it was exactly the same things there, really. Uh, the other big news, I guess, from the last 10 days or so is the 2026 engine. Porsche and Audi could join Ford 1. F1 badly needs uh, a manufacturer on board and in five years' time, that may well happen. Uh, the MGUH, the hybrid system, Looks like it's going to be dropped, so that's why Volkswagen could come in. They could uh, take over or take on the Red Bull engines, for example. Uh, Freddie, you're more technically needed than me for F1 stuff. So what more can you tell me? Well, you've hit it bang on, really. They're dropping the MGH. They're keeping oh. the MGUK, um, which is technology they've had for a long time anyway. They had that with Kurs on the V8s back before these... V6 turbo hybrid yeah. engines. Um, um, yeah, and I, I think it's the right way to go. It, it, it means that we haven't got um, all the sort of hardcore um, technology that you get from an MGUH, which is a very weird um, system at the end of the day. The MGUH is basically what it's for is... Um, collecting hot gases from the exhaust so that's the heat the mgu heat it collects hot gases from the exhaust which then drive a turbine in <laughs> in the turbocharger and then on top of that that creates energy and then that energy is then used to make the turbo spin much faster which then makes the car more powerful so the mguh there is essentially a really expensive complicated bit of kit to make the turbo a little bit better which then makes the acceleration a little bit better. And probably in straight line speeds, the addition of the MGUH is really quite minor. Um, if you think about it from a pure performance point of view, it's a really, probably really small cut that they're taking out of the engine. What it does do is it, use, it reuses thermal gases in a very good way, which is fantastic in terms of efficiency and is very good in making these engines so... Um, environmentally unique and friendly um but there's a lot of that being done with the mg uk anyway so um dropping this really niche complicated MGUH is is good and keeps f1 sort of attractive because this is why porsche and audi and uh, as, a, as an umbrella volkswagen who own the two has been going to these meetings and yeah porsche and audi have a 
have a massive competition pedigree, Formula E, WEC, um, endurance racing in the States as well. So, and now Dakar as well for Audi. Audi, Audi. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, they've got, they've got the pedigree and the only thing that they haven't recently conquered is Formula One. Porsche did, did obviously power some engines back in the day with, but they were badged as tag with McLaren, McLaren tag Porsche engines. But that's it. So this is a, you know, taking on the might of Mercedes in Formula One as Porsche or Audi is has the opportunity to be one of F1's biggest battles. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, simple engine uh, might cost less or should cost less. Mm-hmm. Brings on a big name, hopefully. I think it's all pretty positive. Is that what you'd agree with, Adam? Yeah, I mean... You know, I kind of agree with everything you said. Mainly, I just want to congratulate you, Nigel, because this is something that you've been calling for since basically the start of the podcast, I think, simplifying the engines, uh-huh. taking out the hybrids. So, yeah, that's, you know, well done you. I'm sure I'm sure it's your lobbying alone that has done this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be interesting to uh, see if they do pick up a relationship with Red Bull and Alpha Tauri and whether you see yeah. that, I don't know, Red Bull, Porsche, Alpha Tauri, Audi, that kind of thing, or whether... Um, Rebel powertrains in its own right goes so well and Rebel choose to do their own thing and maybe Porsche and Audi end up partnering say with Williams or with um, uh, another team like um, a Haas or a Sauber so who knows I think it's important as well yeah because I think you know we talk about needing more teams or even more engine manufacturers it's a big opportunity for F1 because it's not often we get Audi coming along to these talks or, or whatever. So you've got to make the most of it and, you know, do what Audi want, I guess, because if it doesn't happen, then we'll just be stuck with these four or three if one drops out, uh, engine manufacturers with what, another 10 years, which isn't great, I don't think. I think you need you need those new manufacturers coming on board now and then. So, yeah, I think it's, it's an important moment for, for F1. Uh, but more on to the present, the Turkish Grand Prix this weekend, back for another year after it was cancelled, then it came back on, and then there was loads of stuff going on with the red list, but now that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Istanbul is the destination. It came back to the F1 calendar 12 months ago. It was a great race in the wet. Hamilton won, became seven-time world champion. Should be another exciting event, shouldn't it? Just like... Well, in fact, we haven't had a boring race, I'd say, since Austria. The last five, six races have been exciting. Even Austria was all right, wasn't it? So... <laughs> and Norris fighting the Mercedes all race. It was great. Um, not for the lead, per se, but the rest of it was great. Oh, Belgium. Um, Belgium was really well. boring. <laughs> Unbelievably boring. Sorry, Don't count Belgium. <laughs> Turkish Grand Prix. What, what are we looking forward to about it? Oh, the track working. Yeah. <laughs> is there going to be grip this year is the big oh, question. Because if, if you if you don't remember I mean, last year, they resurfaced it and it didn't go very well. And it was basically like driving in the wet, even though it was dry, then it did rain. <laughs> so <laughs> let's hope they sorted that out this year. So it's not as... I uh, mean, I'm in two minds, yeah. to be fair. It was hilarious. It was quite good fun yeah. watching all the oh, cars tilting around. It was a different challenge, which is something we don't get often in F1. And it's kind of like, 
we've we've mentioned rallying a couple of times in this podcast, which is rare for us. Um, but like they'll go to sand, they'll go to snow, they'll go to gravel, they'll go to tarmac. So why not do it in an F1? But also that track is a beast when you've got grip. So who knows? Yeah. Adam? Yeah, I think I'm interested to see how the drivers do and especially how the Hamilton Verstappen goes, because back in the day when Turkey was first on the calendar, it wasn't really one of Hamilton's favourite tracks. It was a very massive track. So shout out to him. Um, but it goes, is it anti-clockwise? I think it was one of the yeah. few that went anti-clockwise and that yeah. never seemed to suit him. I guess maybe he's got... That's more of a thing now, though, to be fair. Later. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of interested to see in normal conditions, you know, kind of who actually has the upper hand because it, our last memory of Turkey was Hamilton's mega win in the rain last year. So yeah, I think that's the main thing. I don't know. I don't really know who's who I think will do better, but there must be someone like, you know, there's one driver has to be better. They can't be exactly the same, it, surely. So another thing that could happen in Turkey is Lewis Hamilton getting an engine belt and me and Adam Smoke. Why are you laughing, Adam? So me and Adam, Adam Smoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think Adam got bored in the end with me waffling on about it. But we're going to speak about it again because it might happen this weekend. I think he should take a grid penalty at some point. Pro- probably Mexico, I'd choose. But if he does have a, have a bad qualifying... I'd say he should do it this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I I don't know. I think... I don't necessarily think he has to take one. I think if he has a bad qualifying... Uh, he has to. He has to. Consider it. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think Verstappen, you know, kind of got... The fortune favoured him, really, with that late rain shower in Russia because that really nullified... You know, Hamilton only has two points lead from where he... You know, from Verstappen having to start from the back, which I think is, you know, major and, you know, also on Hamilton for actually, no, he won the race in the end, um, you know, favoured both of them. But I think the fact that Verstappen only lost eight points, seven points from taking an engine penalty really keeps the pressure on Hamilton. So I don't know how they're going to do it because I don't know whether Hamilton can match that or whether they'll have a race where they are able to match that so I think if yeah if, if there is a poor qualifying somewhere between now and the end of the season then they should look at it but I don't necessarily think they have to take it because it is such a huge point hit up front Ready quickly I think they have to take it Okay, not because it's such a huge point hit up front because it's such a huge point hit points hit if you ever have an engine failure and then have to take a penalty at the next race anyway that's then two hits. Get one hit out of the way and you've got more in your pool than you're safer, um, in my opinion. And there's seven races to go. And um, he already had an engine failure with one in Zanvor. Um, yeah. And uh, who was it who had not a great one in was it Latifi? Williams, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The Williams engines haven't been uh, going too nicely for them. McLaren also think they're going to need to take a penalty. The, the word out of the Mercedes camp is more one of worry that they've lost all their reliability rather than one of maybe we'll be able to hang in there and see this one out. I get the argument for seeing it out because finding at the front is you're at the front, but there's more opportunity to gift a result if you, if you have a failure 
And there is, if you take an engine penalty, if you take an engine penalty, you can, um, as Max did, recover and limit the damage. So I think damage limitation is arguably already needed. Yeah, well, I don't, think I, would, I don't think I would this weekend. I think maybe how this weekend goes will dictate that a bit. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I would this weekend because this, you know, if Hamilton wins, then it will give him a bit more of a buffer in the championship. It will give him, give him a nine-point buffer rather than a 2.1. And if Verstappen wins, then he'll be five points behind. So I don't know. It just feels like psychologically, in terms of how the championship is dictated going into the last set, then it's just it was quite a significant race. Like whatever happens, it's you know there's going to be a decent shift unless they finish in the same position, like cross the line simultaneously. Then, yeah, that's my thinking on it. Well, take uh, it in the bar. we Freddie's got to go in like literally a minute, so <laughs> I'm just gonna say one last thing before we wrap up with our final, like very very final thoughts. Uh, it's just been a mad season, hasn't it? And who knows who's going to be quickest this weekend because you know we. Often in our previews, we talk about it's going to be Mercedes, it's going to be best or Red Bull, and then it might happen. But then there'll be a moment where where there's a bad start, bad pit stop, which we've seen recently, and it just all goes out of the window. And then the midfield is closer as well. So this season just keeps on delivering, and I'm not going to make any predictions for Turkey because it is just unbelievable what has happened so far. And, you know, I, I don't think we've had a boring race for a good few months. And if that continues to the end of the season, then we've just been absolutely spoiled. We've already been spoiled. So that's all I wanted to say. Is, is there anything you guys want to say before Freddie goes to watch TV? Yes, you've jinxed it. It's going to be shit. <laughs> Adam? Bye. Why? No, goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Oh, right. Okay, right. What's that? What you said? Why? Like YMCA, not YMCA. I might go and do the YMCA. You go and do the YMCA. We'll see you next week after the Turkish Grand Prix. <laughs>